0: You are listening
1: to The Regent College Podcast. Hello, I'm Nick Corbin.
2: And I'm Abby Boggs.
1: And welcome back to The Regent College Podcast. And uh, welcome to you again, Abby. And we had a wonderful conversation today with Tony Dolfo Smith. Abby, can you just share with us a little bit about him and what we talked about?
2: Yeah, it's it was so great to have Uh, Tony on the podcast today and uh, he first moved to Canada in 1989 to attend Regent College and has been painting for many years prior to his move to Vancouver from South Africa Um, but really fell in love with painting while at Regent Um, and his artwork uh, is unique in that he uses his hands as well as paintbrushes and a twig um, to create his colorful and unique work. He's informed by the bright colors he encountered in his childhood in South Africa and visual uh, interpretations of the turmoil um, are found in his work as he grew up in the apartheid era. Um, Tony is also a trained architect and brings his design work into his structure in abstraction and representational art. Um, He's exhibited all over the world and Regent was lucky enough to have him exhibit in the Dalschendale Gallery in July. Um, Tony and his wife, Marty, have four adult children and they are currently based in the Metro Vancouver area.
1: It was an enlightening conversation to say the least. Tony did an exhibition on, on his father and his relationship with his father and walking with him through the end of his life the last nine years going through dementia and uh some of the things that tony said and shared with us were kind of eye-opening in regards to dementia and then how he imaged that that time and and his father and just even the feelings and how how like healing that time was for him so it was a beautiful conversation And we hope you enjoy our conversation with Tony Dolfo smith
2: Hi, Tony. Welcome to the Regent College podcast. Thank you. We're so glad to have you on today. We'd love to just begin with finding out a little bit more about your journey uh, into art and how did you specifically dive into painting? Was this from a young age or is this something you kind of came to later in life? We'd love to know more.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, uh, my parents tell me that from the time I was very small, I was always going, we, we had lots of art supplies in our house, always went toward the paint. And I think throughout my whole life, I, I played with paint and, I know I know why now. I, I like the immersive experience mm. um, of paint. This is you know pens or pencils or or uh, sculpting. I, I like the the feeling of in my with my hands of actually painting. And I never took it very seriously um, as a child, mm. uh, but uh, but in my teenage years, I got more into it, started doing things, and people started liking it. And realizing that for me, it was really uh, a very expressive uh, thing to do. And I felt like a lot of my emotions could be expressed through art. Hmm. So that's that's my initial foray into art.
1: Oh, so cool. And just a little bit more of your history before we dive more into the, your painting and your artwork. Uh, you spent some time here at Regent. I think it was in... Nineteen eighty nine is my understanding, which is a little, yeah, little bit that ago. Far back, <laughs> uh, I think that's what I—that's what I was born, actually. Uh, and so, I'm just curious, though. How how was your time here at Regent, and, and did it? How did it impact you? Did it impact you, and maybe in what ways?
0: Um, yeah, I I came to Regent. Um, I came to Vancouver to get married. Actually, mm-hmm. uh, my wife is is Canadian. I had been studying in the U.S. And uh, we had met in Thailand And I was coming up to get married And to go uh, to Regent I think the, the time at Regent was very formative In many ways um, I think I, I'd grown up in a very, very conservative environment And I think for me One of the first big releases into art Actually came at Regent hmm. through Through some of the courses I took Feeling like art could actually be integrated into who I was as a Christian. Mm. Um, And I'd always kind of kept the two quite separate. Um, So my time at Regent was very formative in that way. But in other ways, you know, Regent also provided my first kind of friend base for my life in Canada. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that continues. Paul Spilsbury. Yeah. Yeah was act we were students together and oh, okay. one of my closest friends to this day oh. so you know it all started then cool so fun.
2: the interesting thing when you share um about how you kind of got into it more at regent uh, art again um paul also did paul spillsbury also claims that um his time spent at regent kind of encouraged him to right delve into his own watercolor practice. So I think that's just really fascinating. And yeah. um, I love um, that history there, really, uh, that region has been a place for the arts for a very long time and continues to be. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, uh, yeah, it's pretty, it's an amazing testimony. Yeah. Um, but although your medium is quite different than Paul's, and you're painting with your hands and a twig. So could you tell us a bit more about <laughs> why that is? And I'm sure that wasn't always the case, but I don't know, maybe. But-
0: okay, so um, a common misconception is that I only paint with my hands in a twig. I do use brushes okay. sometimes. <laughs> and I also use other things that are uh, around the house, um, if I think it's an, it would be an interesting way to to apply the paint. Um, I think I got, I got into it... Um, one time I was trying to do something, this was years ago, I was trying to do something on a canvas, and I was using a brush, and I couldn't get the texture I wanted. And so I started using my fingers, which I had used before, and I found myself using more and more of my hands. And I think for me, that process of having my hands in the paint, mm. uh, that very immersive experience really does something in me, both physically and Spiritually, I think mm-hmm. um, I feel like I'm really all of me is engaged with the process and on the canvas. Yeah. So um, it's it's hard to go back to just brushes once you've had that kind of experience and revelation. And I know it's different for other people, but for me, very much that was very much an experience of immersion.
1: Oh, so interesting! It's like you're the you have the sensation of smell from smelling the paint, but and then you have the sensation of touch from then then actually actually right. touching the page whereas a paintbrush is almost an extension of you, but it's not yes. quite that immersive experience that you're talking about. I've right. never uh heard of heard of that before, but it sounds it sounds delightful. It sounds like I don't know I imagine maybe as a child you did a similar thing when you I first picked up the brushes <laughs> and like tried to do it and now as an adult it's almost like relearning what you're doing as a child and and that immersive right. experience um uh, so interesting tony i'm just curious how uh in light of you know kind of what you talked about the integration of of when you're at regent of being an artist and a christian i just wonder like do you have thoughts on how your faith journey has impacted your vocation or your or, uh yeah, yeah your vocation as as an artist
0: yeah i i think you know for for me i think my process and my journey with god I'd say I've been particularly aware in the last uh, 20 years that that journey has been so much about integration of me as a person. So all these mm. broken parts, all these parts I didn't understand and know, and I I feel like transformation has come to so many parts of me. And I think um, that process of transformation for me continues when I'm doing art um i feel like it's it's embodied prayer really mm-hmm. uh for me art is a very spiritual experience and so i'm i'm bringing in my um relationship with god my broken pieces i'm mm-hmm. expressing it uh very physically um on canvas and um i tend to pray a lot when i'm when i'm actually painting mm. uh it feels like a time when when i i feel very close to God. It's, it's probably one of, you know, other people find it in nature. I find it very much when I'm, I'm immersed. And I think part of it is the experience of my whole body being engaged mm-hmm. in the process. Yeah. Um, You know, the, the, the sight, the smell, the, the tactile experience. Um And so I, I feel like it, it's a complete embodiment for me and I bring everything of who I am into that process and into my, uh, my journey of integration. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So cool.
2: When you talk about um like having this journey of integration, do you mean integrating like your co vocations, and or do you like bring them all to the canvas, uh, or? I
0: think I think it's all of it. I I think you know most of us are just I, all of us are disintegrated in 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 some way or another. Um, you know, parts of ourselves that we reject, parts of ourselves that we don't understand, and I think part of my journey with God, my conscious journey, has been very much bringing those parts together. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the art is part of what I bring together. I, I think you, you know, for for me as someone my age, I'm I'm 61. Um, I think growing up, art was not, and growing up in South Africa, was not something that. Um, I was encouraged to accept, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, being an artist wasn't something that I could even consider as a vocation, a vocation at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think it was very separate from me. And I think that's that's actually become more integrated into who I am, not just as a person, but as a, a child of God. Yeah. Um, I think the, the experience of all of who I am
1: yeah. Yeah. One of the things I observe about your paintings is the contrasting of these these dark and bright colors. And I I've heard a little of your history, but you you mentioned like being raised in South Africa. And then I my also understanding is that you have an architectural background. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder like how, you know, because talking about like being an integrated and whole people, it's like we have this history with us. Like we're not just a person in our moment, but we're a person with all these memories and this history and background. So you coming from South Africa, uh, having an architectural background, I wonder has that impacted, or how has that impacted in what you decide to image or choose to image?
0: Yeah, I you know I wasn't actually aware of how much of my work involves contrast until just a few years ago, mm. and I, I, I've thought a bit about that. Um, I, I think one of the most obvious things for me is um you know i grew up in the in the middle of the apartheid era and mm-hmm. as a, a person who uh, is non-white um my experience of the world around me was very restrictive so you know i couldn't do this i couldn't go to these places couldn't go to those school. and and so i i find a lot of south african artists of color use color mm-hmm. um, and i think there's something about the the bringing color into something which feels very dark, yeah, uh, something which can often feel very hopeless, um, mm-hmm. and I think that for me is the the part about my about my background and about my uh, race that I bring into that sense of contrast. Um, I think if you if you think if I talk about my architectural background, um, I have a lot of free form in my work. But mm-hmm. I also have a lot of linear experience. If, if, you, you'll you see lots of lines, mm-hmm. um, lots of intersecting lines. And I think, again, that, that idea of um, bringing some sort of order into chaos, mm-hmm. uh, which I think architecture often does, right? right? People have all these ideas and thoughts of how things should be and uh, a building should be, and you bring those together and form something which is hopefully to scale something which has some kind of proper perspective Mm -hmm. and i think that's uh uh, part of what i think i i I bring to my canvases too when i'm working so i think it's i think it's dual in terms of that contrast
1: yeah oh so cool
2: i think your work is really strong because you have all of this play between abstraction and representational structures as well so I think that all of your complexities and your identity just really makes your art unique. So mm,
0: it's great. thank you, Abby.
2: Yeah, <laughs> of course.
1: One of the um things you did this past summer uh was have an exib- exhibition here at uh region and uh in the gallery. And it was called uh the long goodbye. And I'm wondering if you could just explain a little bit like what was the inspiration behind this.
0: Sure. Um, So my my father passed away earlier this year um, Mm. of um dementia, Alzheimer's. Um, And the the long goodbye was really um the process of nine years of my father first, of us first realizing that his mind was going uh, Mm. to the time that he actually died. And I think um I never set out to do a show. It was not like I thought. Oh, I'm going to do a show about this. Um, I actually promised myself I would process all my emotions. Mm. Uh, my dad and I had a very um, ambivalent relationship. We in his later years we we had a, a good relationship. It was never acrimonious, but we weren't very close. And I was determined to actually get as much information from him. I was determined to connect with him. And I I think this this. Evolved. I was determined to actually process all my emotions uh, through through painting, Mm. Um, and I I feel like I really did. Um, It was actually Paul Spilsbury who actually um, started the process of this even being thought of as a show. Uh, Mm. Because when he started to see the first pieces and I started talking through some of what uh, I was doing, he said, "This is a show. This Mm. is this. Other people need to see this and experience it." But I think for me, primarily, it was, it was trying to put down in paint and shape and form on canvas uh, what I saw happening to my dad, but also the processing of my own emotions and feelings mm. um, and through both shape, color, and texture. Um, so that was what The Long Goodbye was all about. Wow.
2: I'm so glad that Paul emailed me on that one Tuesday, I think it was. I was like, Abby, listen, you got to call Tony. He's got some incredible work and you need to see it. And so I'm just so thankful that we did that because it uh, it was a show that not only was, I believe, pretty special for you and your family it really did resonate with a number of our community members for the entire exhibition I would just uh, get knocks on my office door and it'd be someone on a Friday afternoon who uh, heard about it online or whatever it may be mm-hmm. but they were like well I lost my mom and um, and I'm really moved by this and I'm sure you've had many people tell you similar experiences and I was talking to a friend earlier this uh, morning, and she was just saying it's really the feeling that you leave um, the gallery with that is just really special. Mm-hmm. Um, and the art could be a variety of different media, um, but yours in particular, I felt the response was quite personal. Yes. Uh, so, and and also, uh, we'd love to hear about um, kind of the role of an artist bringing awareness to subjects like dementia that uh, is really underrepresented. And did you think about that as you were doing this process? Were you sort of mindfully um, crafting uh, pieces knowing that, wow, this is, I feel like I'm breaking ground here. Mm.
0: I i didn't, it didn't happen for me consciously. It uh, As the show began to form after you and I talked and we were gonna actually do something, um, and I began to curate uh, the pieces. Um, you know, I had a lot of pieces in that show, and I had far more pieces from from my process of of painting all my emotions and stuff. But um, I think uh, one of my friends uh, said to me, "You know, is there a lot of stuff out there on dementia and, and Alzheimer's?" And I said, "I don't, I don't know." Um, and so I started looking, and there really isn't. Um, and I I think um, I I realized uh, when the show was happening, and as you you spoke about the responses of people to it, I I have so many people who I didn't know um, who who attended and have contacted me since, and I've met them for coffee and we've talked about their experience of going through with a parent or a loved one uh, through the process of of walking and witnessing their dementia. And I I realized there just isn't enough representational um, art that that really helps people understand. I think one of the most rewarding things for me was hearing people say, I understand maybe what my father was going through. I understand what my husband was going through, right? And that was the feeling for me too, as I saw him coming apart or her coming apart. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was really a rewarding feeling. Mm-hmm. That people were able to um gain a sense of understanding of deep understanding of what might have been happening for them and for the person mm. who who actually had dementia.
1: I just curious about your relationship with your dad, the time time you spent with him like what's one of the favorite stories that you have or memories you have of of the time you spent with him, maybe in his in his last
0: years? Okay. One of my favorite stories I told is that this story at his memorial, and I think I may have told it too at the opening of the art. But my father, um, my father was a pastor. He had started many churches, very engaged in uh, his faith. um, And uh, part of that caused problems for me growing up because he wasn't very present, he was was absent a lot doing the Lord's work and uh, as, as a child as a teenager I really felt that mm-hmm. and I, I resented it um, growing up but as an adult I realized so much uh, uh, that my father really he, the engagement in his faith was so real it wasn't uh, it wasn't fake mm-hmm. it was he really felt so much passion and I, I recognized that some of his passion had actually rubbed off on, on me uh, but one of my favorite stories is uh, this is in the last couple of years of his life um, oh in the last year he was in a, a care home for, for the last year of his life and the care home called my mom one day and uh, said, um, can you speak with him because he he won't take his bath and uh, so my mom spoke to him and said, "You know darling, would you take your bath? they're there to help you And my father said, "I'm not here." to take a bath. I'm here to preach the gospel in season mm-hmm. and out of season. <laughs> and for me, you know, this this captured my dad so, so yeah. readily. Mm-hmm. And I, I think for me, what it, what it made me feel was not resentful. Mm-hmm. It actually made me feel like, wow, this is really my dad. Mm-hmm. He feels so strongly about the gospel and his mission and his calling, even in his State of dementia. This right. is still such a part of him, yeah. and I think in the last couple of years, at least of his life, two three years, um, his relationship with me was very soft and tender, mm. which it had never been. Uh, growing up, he's a, a soft, tender man, but we had never been close in that kind of way. So it it actually took dementia to actually bring us bring us together, and for me to really understand him. In ways that i actually hadn't understood him before and Mm. really appreciate his his incredible passion for to serve god and 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 the gospel so yeah
2: that's incredible um i loved talking with your daughter at the opening and um i know you had some special time with your dad like right before he passed and um I'm just, I have to say this because I'm a musician, but I would love to hear about um, your dad's relationship with music and obviously music and dementia, like right. really um, can unlock parts of the brain if you're playing music that the patient knows about. Um, and I don't know if the care home was doing, was like letting him have access to a piano, um, yep. but I'd love to learn more about that. Um, okay yeah
0: yeah yeah so so that was one thing my dad and I shared um i I played the piano, and my dad did too and um as uh he he always played the piano you know his whole life once a day, he would actually sit down and even if it was for a very short time um when his dementia started, one of the things that I really feared was he was gonna lose that mm. um but as his dementia increased, he played the piano more and more frequently and oh. he learned more and more complex music, which baffled me. I couldn't, I couldn't understand that. So he yeah. would actually say, oh, I'm, I'm learning this piece. And he'd actually play better than he did before. And he, you know, he could sight-read much faster in his demented state than he could before, which, again – you know, we don't understand how the, how the brain works. Um, but we, there was a, a little family joke that every time my dad sat down at the piano, even if he was going to play a classical piece, the first thing that he would actually do uh, would actually be to actually start uh, playing uh, Come to the Saviour, Make No Delay. It's an old hymn. Mm. And so he would play in this almost honky-tonk style and then he would, once that was done, he'd get down to business and play classical music mm-hmm. again. Um, and so one section of the show I actually called "Come to the Savior" because um, music was such an important part of the last years of his life. So he would he would do that maybe um, at minimum of three to four times a day. Wow. Uh, always start with "Come to the Savior" and then move into into other things. So yeah, it was it. I don't understand how the brain works, but mm-hmm. uh, it really is fascinating um, mm-hmm. how he was able to learn. We, we, you know, he couldn't remember my name at the end, but he could learn new music. Wow. So, yeah.
2: That's incredible.
1: <laughs> yeah. What do you think your dad would have thought of your the exhibition and your art?
0: Um, I think my dad would have been, my dad very seldom uh, expressed uh, pride or, um, that sort of thing. But I think he would have been very, very proud. Mm. Um, one of the things I did in the show, um, I found out the last years of his life um, he that he actually liked, uh, Klimt was his favorite painter and Andy Warhol. And for me, it was like, Andy Warhol? How does my dad even know Andy Warhol's name? <laughs> um, and so at the end of the show, I actually did a Warhol-esque painting of my dad uh, when he was 27 and then when he was 87 um, and and for me that was sort of a tongue-in-cheek uh little joke uh, even though my dad didn't see that but it was a joke between he and I um, that that you know I was I had caught some of of what he was interested in um, I had learned yeah. some new stuff about him and I I really think that he was he would have been proud of me. I felt his pride, mm. actually, at the opening. There's just mm. a sense. My dad's proud of me. So, Wow.
1: It's really beautiful. And I, I think I'm getting at why you entitled the exhibition A Long Goodbye. Because you said it was over nine years that this, yeah. this kind of took place. And just from what you're sharing, it, it seems like amidst the the suffering that your dad was going through or the, the, the memory loss, um, you know, his body going into decay, like there was beauty in it because of, because of almost like you seeing him in a different perspective, maybe him seeing you in a different perspective yes. and the, and the healing even that came, that came from a in, in your relationship.
0: I, I think my dad, um, also lost a lot of inhibition, right? As mm. as Alzheimer's, um, when people have Alzheimer's, they tend to lose um, quite a bit of inhibition. And my dad mm. had been very structured and, right. and he was very careful, and so he would say things that um, you know I never heard him say before. Mm. Um, and I think he he became more free with his emotions. Wow! Um, you know, the week before he died, he told my mom very clearly that he had always loved her and she was the only one he'd ever loved, um, which, you know, she was shocked out of her mind. Um, and he would say things to my sister and I that, you know, he had never said in, in 80 years.
1: Um,
0: so yeah, I think that I learned so much about him, Mm. but I think I also, I I understood more of his real feelings about Mm -hmm. me as a son than I had, um, When he was, when he didn't have, Mm. have dementia. Wow!
2: From an art perspective, um, your unconventional canvas shapes challenged uh, the viewer to think in a new way and reframe um, their understanding of what a painting can be. Uh, (laughs) Circular. It can be seven. canvases (laughs) wooden canvases <laughs> cool. screwed together and and that was so fabulous to give tours of your show and blow people's minds a little bit and I um want to know if that's something that you feel like is part of your brand as an artist have you been doing that forever or was that something um that came up specifically for this show you kind of wanting to branch out and and not have conventional sizes or can I know you hand stretch some of your work yep. um so love to know about that
0: yeah i i did uh, i i have played with the canvas shapes and and you know done my own thing um before for other things i've done but i think for for this particular subject, I I felt like I could use the canvas shapes as part of what I was trying to convey. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in talking about my dad's um, disintegration beginning, uh, by using you know three separate canvases in different sizes but having them slightly joined together, I was able to actually illustrate that mm-hmm. separation happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh, in one of the pieces I did a big circle and then a bunch of small circles, which was indicative of, you know, when, um, when he started uh, to get more free with his words, he had always been very uptight and uh, the image was really important. But once uh, the image was no longer important, it felt like parts of him came off and I used various circles around it. Hmm. Um, But, what was underneath was actually really fun mm-hmm. and not as structured. Um, but I felt like I could use uh, what I was trying use canvases to convey what was actually the action that was actually happening, uh, not just portray the feeling um, onto the canvas. So it was definitely a, a more of a, of a stretch for me. And I, I I've never done that many different shapes um, and I think the subject method did actually help, mm-hmm. um, help with that as well. So that,
1: that, uh, that type of canvassing where you change the shape of the canvas, that's kind of unconventional. I'm, I'm a little, sorry, I'm, I'm learning more and more about artistry, but is that, is that an unconventional technique? Is that what you're saying? Yeah.
0: Most, so most artists would, uh, stick to maybe three or four types of basic sizes in mm-hmm. how they paint. So these are the canvases they feel comfortable in. This is the the parameters in which they they will paint. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what they become known for. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think I have tried to kind of stretch not just being known for a particular size, but mm-hmm. using sizes to actually illustrate part of my subject matter. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. Uh, it and maybe this is what you you were kind of getting or i i'm i'm kind of understanding um when i hear your story about your your relationship with your dad over those 9 years and then i think of dementia and kind of what it what it does to people but when i hear your story and what it did to you and your relationship it it flips my I don't know how to say this exactly, but it almost makes me look at dementia differently, and I don't know how i f- I feel a little uncomfortable with it, but in some sense, maybe what I'm getting at is uh this is part of your part of your artistry and what you did through this exhibition is you kind of did went an unconventional way that looked at things differently almost and and so I guess what I'm trying to say is you you're making me look at dementia a little differently to not see it as simply something that's purely evil, but the Lord can still work in and through it. And is that what you're getting at in your, in your, in your, in your your canvassing, like doing the different shapes too. And yeah, yeah, the unconventional. That
0: was was part of the purpose of the show. Okay.
1: Man, if I, if I got that, then just from, I haven't even seen all your paintings, but that's awesome. That's incredible.
2: I'm just so glad that you came on the podcast and, um we're able to dive into some of these topics so that this can reach a wider audience because I don't know if you know Nick, we actually had an artist talk during Tony's exhibition and mm. um only you know whoever was there, I think around 20, 25 people got to hear more of these things. So I'm just so mm. thankful that um Tony that you came on the podcast so that more yeah. people could find out about um not only your incredible work as an artist, but um the legacy that you blessed uh your own family with. So mm, mm-hmm.
0: oh, thank you. Thank yeah. you. My privilege.
1: Tony, do you have, just in closing question, do you have a dream project you'd
0: like to do? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. My dream project, and I, I actually um I, I actually had said this to someone maybe two weeks ago. Um and so, you know, earlier uh, seeing that question, I, uh, it made me smile. My dream project is to um, be in an architecturally significant building. So it doesn't have to be an important building, but something that's really that really speaks to me, that I, I feel is scaled well, that makes me feel good, and be told or asked, how would you actually enhance this building with art? Mm. that would be my dream project. Oh, man. And be, being able to combine both my architectural knowledge and experience and also my love of art and bringing kind of the structured and the wild together uh, to enhance something that, you know, becomes much bigger than each can be on its own.
1: Wow. Well, there's, are you here in Vancouver, Tony? I am. Yep. Well, there's a lot of uh, buildings that are, I think beautifully created and more and more so maybe potentially you'll get, get approached by one of these architectural firms or or these (laughs) there we go. Oh man, Tony, it was wonderful having you on and, uh, just really appreciate, uh, the work that you do, the, um, creation and creative work that you do and just your perspective on on life. So thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Regent College podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit rgnt.net. That is r-g-n-t
0: dot net.